you don't know me, I'm Pastor Chris, the student ministries pastor at BMHA. This is Apex Students. Welcome. We're glad you're here. Um, I talk like for a living. Like this, is, I spend a lot of my time like writing and executing this like sermon material. So like I study the Bible a lot. I get to talk to you about it a lot. Um, it's like what I do. But does anyone here dread public speaking just so much? You just hate public speaking, and you're like all afraid to put your hands up because that's too much. It's like too close to even put your hands up. Like, like if you're assigned a presentation project, you like get out your calculator and like, all right, if I just don't do it, what happens to my grade? Like 49%. Hmm. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll tell a joke or something. See if that'll work. But uh, I've, there's this classic, oh man, did I put the, the, the clip in there? I don't think I did. Darn it. Okay. I'll just tell you about it. There's a classic Jerry Seinfeld bit uh, about public speaking. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Oh, I'm, I'm really thinking about playing it. All right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Okay, I'm coming back here. This is, uh, we're going to make it happen. This is my fault. I really blew it tonight on the, the old, uh, this stuff, because I just, there was more than one thing that I was supposed to put in here, and I totally forgot. I think it's because I didn't decide, see how I'm stalling? I think it's how I didn't, it's because I didn't decide if I was actually going to play the bit or just tell you about it. Um, to the point where I don't even know where it is. Did I put it on my computer? What's happening? All right, well, that's not a good sign. I lost it. All right, I'll have to tell you about it. I know, I know. Listen, I can give you audio. How about that? Can I give you audio? Act it out. <laughs> it's like, I, I'm not Jerry Seinfeld. There's a reason that Jerry Seinfeld has paid lots of money for his comedy, and I'm not. All right, Jerry Seinfeld. The Listen, you're going to feel like educated after this because you're going to get more jokes on tv and like it's going to all make sense all right ready listen to this i saw a thing actually a study that said speaking in front of a crowd is considered the number one fear of the average person i found that amazing number two was death (laughs) death is number two this means to the average person if you have to be at a funeral you would rather be in the casket than doing the eulogy it's classic and from now on, you're going to get this joke on TV when they reference it and stuff. People would rather die than speak in public. Anyone identify with that on a spiritual level? You say, I am one of those people. Thank you, Jerry Seinfeld, for understanding me. Um, I'm going to single out Dave here for a second. <laughs> Dave, um, he, he doesn't love public speaking. And last week, he tackled a fear of public speaking. Um, and can we congratulate him on this amazing feat? <laughs> He's very uncomfortable right now. Uh, can you believe this is the first time he's ever preached? Like the, like the third time he's ever held a microphone? Incredible. Dave did an amazing job last week. Um, and listen, what's so admirable, <laughs> he's so mad. What's so admirable about what he did was that it was a response. Dave speaking last, last week was a, it was a cool public speaking thing. He conquered some fears and stuff while he's working on conquering some fears and stuff. But it, more than that, it was a response to a mission that God gave him. We've been talking a lot about here, uh, about missions. That God has given you a mission for your life. Um, and we're in this, this series named after our ministry, our, our namesake. Um, so this is all about our ministry, our vision, and our identity. It's about the apex. Apex is the name of the series. And when we're talking about mountaintop experiences in the Bible, why they're so significant, what that even means, and what it means to have an apex moment is the term that we use here. An encounter with God. What does it mean to have an apex moment uh, in the Bible and for us today? 
Dave had an apex moment, as he shared last week, he had an apex moment, or a couple of them, where God said, you are going to spend your life bringing teenagers closer to Jesus, or helping teenagers get closer to Jesus. And the moment, you can all identify if you've had this experience, the moment is intense, right? The the moment where God speaks something amazing into your life is really intense. Uh, You're hearing from God, and that's really to be taken seriously. It's a lifetime calling. It's the biggest deal. But Dave had to do more than receive the mission. He had to do more than just spend that time in that apex moment. The main point from his sermon last week is exactly what he did. His main point was exactly what he was doing right before your eyes. He was living his main point, which I think is so cool. And it's the same thing that I want to hone in on tonight. I'm stealing, plagiarizing from Pastor Dave, David J. Kinney. Your moment doesn't end on the mountain. Your moment doesn't end on the mountain. Tonight we're going to be in Matthew 17, so you can turn there if you have a, a paper Bible or your, your phone Bible. Go ahead and take that out. If you've never done that before, just explore it. Just like, what does this Bible app even do? I've had it on my phone and never opened it. Check it out. Try to find Matthew 17. Um, if you don't know anything about the Bible, if you don't have a Bible, I have so many, and I want to give you one. Um, if you don't know anything about this Bible, it's one book full of 66 little books uh, separated into the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament being older than the New Testament. It makes, it makes perfect sense, actually. Um, and it, 66 little books in here written by 40 different authors uh, in three different continents in three different languages over a span of about 1,500 years. That's really amazing. The Old Testament talks about God's people. It talks about the Israelites. It talks about um, how, the, how God revealed himself to them. He chose them. And then they messed up. They kind of turned from him. And then... He like reminded them, I'm God, so like listen to me. That happens just like over and over again. And then uh, the whole time he's hinting at a Messiah that's coming. He's hinting at this person that's going to change everything. And the New Testament is about that Messiah. It's about Jesus. It talks about his life and ministry and death and resurrection. Uh, it talks about the early church. It talks about how to do church, how to be a follower of God. All of that is in the New Testament. Uh, and in the first four books of the New Testament specifically, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you may have heard of those. They're called the Gospels, and they chronicle the life of Jesus, his life, his ministry, and then his crucifixion and resurrection into heaven. So Jesus gathered this group of 12, like, teenagers, or like young adults. They were not like old dudes. That He was, he was like 30. They were like late teens, early 20s. They were like the first youth group. Honestly, the 12 disciples were the first youth group. So this is very, very biblical what's happening in here. Uh, And Jesus was mentoring and teaching them what it meant to be a follower of God, what it meant to follow him. Uh, And he called those 12 people the disciples. So when we turn into the Gospels, we are peeking in on Jesus' ministry on earth. And at the same time, he is teaching and discipling the disciples. He's mentoring this group of people. So Matthew 17 Verses 1 through 5, this is what it says. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before him. That transfigured word, it's like a a change of metamorphosis. And it, it tells you here, his face shone like the sun. His clothes became as white as the light. Glow in the dark, Jesus. Just then, there appeared before them Moses and Elijah, talking with Jesus. Is that, how many of you are like sort of familiar with the story? You're like, that, that kind of sounds familiar. A couple? A couple of you? Good, good. I'm hoping not a ton of you, because this one isn't, isn't a really, really popular like Sunday school story. 
Um, this is really important because they're on this mountain. Moses and Elijah show up. Now, all these people would know who Moses and Elijah are, not because they live down the street, but because they read about them and they're super dead. Like hundreds of years dead. Moses has been dead for 1400 years at this point. Uh, Elijah has been dead for 800 years at this point. This is a big deal. Um, and they're just like, poof, Moses and Elijah. Like I've heard of those guys. They don't even know each other. They didn't even live at the same time. So they are just, this is an amazing, crazy moment. And Peter recognizing, recognizes how big this is, uh, how big of a moment that he's having an apex moment. This is a huge deal. So God is about to tell Peter that his moment doesn't end on the mountain. This is the rest of that passage. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I'll put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. We'll have ourselves a camp out. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them. And a voice from the cloud said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am pleased. Listen to him. Let's pray. Father, help us to listen to you. Help us to uh, hear your voice, execute our mission, take action to our mission, because the apex moment is great, but the moment doesn't end on the mountain. It's in your name we pray. Everybody said, amen, amen, amen. We've been talking about the apex moment, the mountain experiences, what that means to have a mountain experience with God. If your Bible has headings, this passage is probably called the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus loved to pray. We often see him go off to pray. And in this particular case, um, he is, this is a great time to plug your 10 and 10. What we call spiritual disciplines. 10 minutes in prayer, 10 minutes in the word of some kind every single day. 10 minutes uh, praying, talking to Jesus, saying what you're thankful for, and also asking him to be a part of your life. And 10 minutes studying his word or reading a commentary, reading a, a devotional, someone talking about his word is so, so, so important to a healthy Christian life. Uh, Jesus, the son of God, God himself, Thought it was important, so I'm going to go ahead and follow that lead. So at this time, uh, Jesus is going to pray, and he takes with him Peter, James, and John. And these three men were actually considered Jesus' favorites. <laughs> he had the 12 disciples. Peter, James, and John were the favorites uh, because Jesus discipled people on different levels. He had this swarm of people. Every time he came into a town, the people were like, Jesus is here. Let's watch. And so they like go to wherever he was, and they'd watch him do miracles. He'd heal people. He'd like cast out demons. It was insane. So they were there to watch. There was a smaller crowd of people that like followed Jesus from town to town. They were going on tour with Jesus. Like we're going to go wherever he goes because we want to see him do that stuff over and over again. Maybe he'll heal me. Maybe he'll intervene in my life. I'm going to follow him and find out. Jesus had an even smaller group of people, the 12 disciples. These people were closer to Jesus. Jesus spent more time with them. He picked them out, like handpicked each and every one of the 12 disciples and said, follow me. Come and follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. Follow me. You're going to be a part of a bigger plan. Follow me. The 12. Jesus had an even smaller group within that one, Peter, James, and John. He was, they were the three favorites. Uh, they got even more time with Jesus. They got even closer to Jesus. Jesus uh, trusted them a little more. They were more intimate with Jesus. Um, and they got to be a part of this really cool event. Jesus even poured into one disciple above all. Uh, and most of the people think that that guy was John. Uh, in John's gospel, he calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. <laughs> Like he thought pretty highly of himself because <laughs> he wrote it. So I, I don't know. Uh, that isn't the point for tonight, but I thought it was worth mentioning because someday when you are an Apex staff member, you can use that model of discipleship. Um, so it's on this moment, on this mountain, that they have an apex moment, a crazy one with going to dark Jesus and zombies and stuff. And this apex moment teaches us something about every apex moment. This apex moment 
It teaches us two things. We'll get to those in a second. Um, but the main idea that it teaches us is that your moment doesn't end on the mountain. Have I said it enough times? I'm going to say it plenty more times. Your moment doesn't end on the mountain. So let's go back to our passage, Matthew 17, 1 through 5. Peter, James, and John had an apex moment with Jesus on that mountain. Jesus started glowing. Moses and Elijah showed up. This is huge. They hear the voice of the Father. Like, that's not something that happened every day in the New Testament. They heard the voice of the Father. It was a big deal. And if I had to simplify what happened on the mountain, what happened in that apex moment, um, every apex moment in the Bible, everyone in my life, everyone in your life, if I had to simplify it in its simplest terms, in an apex moment, you'll learn. In an apex moment, you learn. If you look back a chapter, Matthew 16, uh, the chapter before the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus predicts his crucifixion. He, he, he is the God. So like he knows what's going to happen uh, a few chapters later. <laughs> he knows that the, the high priests are going to kill him. He knows what's going to go down. And so he tells his disciples that that's going to happen. And that would have been really strange news that, that he's, because Jesus was like Superman to them at this point. He's like going around healing people and like walking on water and like doing crazy stuff that he shouldn't be able to do. And like, this guy is awesome. And this guy says to his buddies, I'm going to get killed here soon. And they're like, Whoa, are you sure? He's like, yeah. And then I'm going to raise from the dead. It's going to be really cool. And they're like, Oh, that sounds like him. So, so he's telling them about this. He's predicting this. And that would like bum a group out, right? That would be like weird, weird news. So they're learning some stuff, even in Matthew 16. And then six days later, we come to this passage for tonight, Matthew 17. And Jesus takes his three favorites up to the mountain. There, he reminds them of his divinity. He reminds those three that he is God in the flesh. He isn't just some dude who's about to get murdered. He is God in the flesh. It was like he wanted to comfort them after telling them this bad news about what his future held. It was like he wanted to comfort them. He brought them to the mountain to say, hey, don't forget, I'm the God of the universe still. I'm still in control. I'm still going to take care of things. They learned. If you've had an apex moment, you probably know what this is like. Um, Sometimes God will tell you brand new information. He'll reveal a mission, your purpose in life. He'll tell you that in the apex moment on the mountain. Uh, Your very first apex moment will have been new. Dave talked about that last week. When you accept Jesus as your savior, like that's going to be some new crazy stuff. Or maybe he's going to speak something to you on the mountain that is something you needed in a particular moment, like new information or a new revelation, timely revelation. Um, I've definitely had that kind of apex moment. But for me, in my experience, the more common apex moment is when he reminds me of something he already told me. And if some of you may be able to identify with that, uh, if you've had a relationship with Jesus for long, um, for me, more often than not, God is reminding me of something that I should have already known, (laughs) that I should have already, I shouldn't have been worried about that thing because I knew God was in control. That's often how they go. He reminds me he's in control. He reminds me no no matter how hard I work uh, to bring teenagers closer to him, it's ultimately his job and it's your decision to get closer to God. He reminds me that uh, his love, his joy, his peace are enough that I can't create those things, but they come from him and I can rely on him for them. Those are the kinds of apex moments that I have most often. A reminder that God is good, that his love is all I need. The one thing all apex moments have in common though, you learn. Here's this, if it sounds like I'm talking a little fast, it's because we got a lot to do tonight. I'm very excited. Here's the second thing every apex moment has in common. First you learn, just two points tonight, then you leave. First you learn, then you leave. This may sound sort of obvious. You can't stay on the mountain forever. Um, 
there's aspects of the Christian walk that are all the time. You live a lifestyle of worship. The Bible says to pray without ceasing. Like that's a cool challenge to constantly be in communication with God. Um, that is stuff that you take with you. But as far as the apex moment goes, it's a moment. Peter didn't get this. And I think that is hilarious. Back in our passage in Matthew 17, verse four, Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. He wasn't wrong. It is good for us to be here. If you wish, I'll put up three uh, shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Peter wanted to camp out. And I think that that's so funny. He wanted to build a shelter and just hang there in the transfiguration and just have this moment forever. Um, Very admirable. Like I get that. And he wanted to linger there. Um, But I bet Peter was really embarrassed when he was interrupted by God, the father a voice from heaven. <laughs> like that's pretty intimidating. I would have felt embarrassed in Matthew seventeen five, where it says while he was still speaking. So like he was interrupted while he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them. And a voice from the cloud said, this is my son whom I love with him. I am well pleased. Now, anytime God steps in, the father like speaks like that. It's a really, really big deal. And these words might sound familiar um, because God, the father stepped in and said these words before uh, you may like recognize them that he said the same thing, save the last three words. Um, he said, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. When Jesus was baptized, he said that same thing. This is another moment that the father was pleased with Jesus. I don't, I, I couldn't tell you exactly why these particular words are here again. Um, maybe because Jesus was acknowledging that his crucifixion was around the corner. And actually in Matthew 16, if you're familiar with the Bible, familiar with Matthew, that's the part where Peter says, there's no way that could happen. Peter's like, no way. God, you are Superman. There's no way they could take you out. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. And we see in the Garden of Gethsemane where, where Jesus is saying, if there's any other way for this whole sacrifice for mankind thing to go down, where I don't have to die, let's go with that plan. Can we do that one? <laughs> and, but he says, but if not, I'm totally up for it. Let's do it. Jesus had to make a choice to, to, to die for our sins because he was man. He had to make the right choice and he did. And I think, uh, listen, I'm a, a theologian sorta because uh, I do process. I do think about God and study God. I think maybe in Matthew 16, when Peter said, there's no way that could happen. Jesus could have said, you're right. Let's just take over the government and rule this place. He would have messed up the whole plan. Not what was supposed to happen. But instead, Jesus said, Peter, you're a stumbling block to me. He uses those words in Matthew 16. Peter, you're a stumbling block to me. And, I, and if, if you pushed a little harder, maybe I'd agree with you and mess up everything. Get behind me, Satan, because I know that I have to die on the cross. And here, God says, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. You're about to make the right choice, and that makes me proud as your father. Side note. So God, the father tells Peter, shut your mouth, open your ears. (laughs) Clearly we can't stay here. Things got to get done. We have things to do. Um, Yes, we got Elijah and Moses and the glow in the dark Jesus. And it's really amazing. It's a really cool moment, but we have things to do. Jesus has a mission, a painful mission ahead of him. He's going to be crucified as a sacrifice for the sins of mankind. A big, big mission ahead of him. The disciples had a mission ahead of them as well. Matthew 28, later in the book, 28, 19, Jesus gave this last commandment. 
He said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He said, go, make disciples, baptizing them. Like, those are not things that could happen on the mountain. <laughs> they Like, Peter, James, and John just shaking turns, dunking each other, like, all day. Like, that's not the mission that God... Jesus had a plan for them. God had a plan for them that involved them coming back down the mountain. There are things to do. And this is where this applies to you. Uh, if you could play a little music back there, that would help me. Alter uh, with no words. If you could do the lyricless stuff, because we're going to spend some time here for a while. But this is where this applies to you. Your moment, your moment, their moment didn't end on the mountain. They had to go. Your moment doesn't end on the mountain. And your mission can't be accomplished without action. And that means as nice it would as nice as it would be to set up a tent and just hang out there in the moment on the mountain, God is saying you have work to do. You have a mission, a purpose that I've given you, and you have to take action to get there. I left three words off of that verse where the father interrupts Peter. He said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Listen to him. The New Testament, if you don't know, was originally written in the language of Greek. And a Greek scholar would be able to tell you that this word for listen is uh, the present imperative tense. And that means it's a command for repeated action. Don't just listen to the words he's saying right now. That's not what he meant. He said he meant listen and keep listening because he has something to tell you. Keep listening because he has something amazing to tell you. I mentioned earlier that Jesus had his favorites. He had the large crowd that followed him around. He had the three, Peter, James, and John, that were close to Jesus. That he So close, he invited them to the Mount of Transfiguration. And later, Jesus would tell the disciples that he has to leave. And that when he leaves, the Father will send the Holy Spirit. We believe in a, a trinity we, of three in one. Tri-unity means three in one of God. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you've never heard, never had that explained to you, that's a very small snapshot of what that means. But Jesus said, when I leave, the Father can send the Holy Spirit. And He is going to be your advocate. The Holy Spirit is going to be your advocate. Because Jesus was confined to a human body. And He was very much God. But He was he took on the form of man. I can only be in one place at once. I can only strategically disciple so many people. Jesus could only do twelve. Minus Judas, right? Jesus could only do 11. He, he limited himself. And then those three. So he, as a person, could only do so much. But he knew that when he left, the Father was going to send the Holy Spirit to be with us, to dwell in us. We all get that closeness now. We all get to be on the Mount of Transfiguration. We all get to be the disciple whom Jesus loved because the Holy Spirit is in us. And he wants that closeness with us. So while Jesus could only really get close to three guys, the Holy Spirit came, and now we can have intimacy. We all get to be super close. Your moment doesn't end on the mountain, because the Holy Spirit is going to keep talking to you when you leave the mountain. It's because of that truth that we're going to take some action steps tonight. Last year, at our first meeting in 2017, I asked you to write letters to yourself in the future. And I said, you address this letter to me in 2018. Those letters will be going to you tomorrow. I'm going to send those out tomorrow. So those will be at your house very, very shortly. 
And when you get them, I wrote you a letter as well that'll be with it. And you're going to be able to reflect on on the mission for 2018, how you did, how you measured up to what you believe God was telling you to do in 2018. I didn't read them, so I didn't judge you. (laughs) But you get to judge you. You and God get to talk about how you did in 2018. You get a bit of a review there. And as I was getting those those letters ready to send out tomorrow, I just kept thinking about how cool that was and how much I wish I could do that every year. Uh, So we're going to do that again tonight. Uh, so tonight you're going to write a letter to yourself in 2019. If you've never, if you didn't do this last year, that's all that you're going to do. I'm not going to read the letter, but you're going to write a letter to me in 2019. Now you're not going to address the envelopes like you did last year because turns out you guys can't do that very well. So just write your name on the outside somewhere that I can see it without having to read the whole thing and I'll take care of that for you. But I want you to think as you understand or, or as you pursue God for what your, maybe your mission is to just seek God for what, further instruction. But as you do that, what, I want you to think action. Think what it's like after the moment. Because your moment doesn't end on the mountain. So what is it, what's going to, when my feet hit the ground, what am I going to have to do? What actions am I actually going to have to take to make that mission happen? Maybe your mission is that you need to talk to your friends about Jesus more. You need to invite a friend here. Maybe your mission is that there are two of me. I have a church me and a school me, and God says that's not cool. And that I need to be honest with myself and be honest with God and fix that. Maybe your mission is that you realize you have a call to ministry. You're going to be a pastor someday. And you need to take steps toward that to understand how to how to execute that. What are the actions that I need to take to get ready for that calling or to pursue that calling? Or maybe it's something else. God speaks to us all differently. He's going to tell us all something different. But we're going to let some music play here for a little while. And I want you to pray, ask God for guidance. Uh, Dave, if you could hand out papers. They're on the top of that rack there. And Andrew, could you hand out these pens too? Just one to everybody. We're going to let this music play. I'd like you to spread out a little rather than stay in your, after we go, uh, spread, go here. If you need to write somewhere, like don't stay in your seats, make sure that you like move around the room so that people aren't distracting each other, that kind of thing. Next year in January, 2019, you're going to get a letter from yourself and you're going to be able to see how you did (laughs) have a bit of a performance review with yourself between you and God. It'll have your letter that you're writing right now. It'll have a letter from me as well. But listen, as you do this, think action. Think action steps. What do I need to do to make this happen? What do I need to actually do? Is it maybe get my 10 and 10 in order? Maybe I need to actually start spending 10 minutes a day in prayer, 10 minutes a day reading God's Word. Maybe I just need to go to church more. Maybe I'm like, I've only come twice in the past two months, and I don't want that. If I, if I really want to be a follower of God, i got to spend more time with Christian people. Maybe it's you got to revamp your friend group. There are limitless options. Think action. Okay, I'm going to pray for you, and you guys can spread out and get to writing. Jesus give guidance tonight. Father, I pray that you are downloading things to these teenagers and and adults that choose to do it. God, I pray that you are downloading uh, action steps. 
that you're giving guidance and wisdom on how to execute the, the, the mission that you have for each and every one of them. Because I think that they're all capable of something amazing for you. I believe that you have something amazing for every single person in this room. And I pray that none of them miss it. Because it's too often that people miss it. I thank you for, for you showing up here tonight. For you giving your mission to these people. God, I pray you just help them, guide them, as, guide them as they write to themselves in the future. Guide them, guide their thoughts, guide their hand as they write, guide, give them action steps. And I pray that when we come back for some small group stuff, that you help us to, to talk about this openly, to be transparent with each other about our struggles, about our action steps toward that mission, Father. Guide us as we continue this evening. It's in your precious name. Amen. So go ahead and get up, spread out throughout the room, wherever you feel led. And I will give you a five-minute warning or so, and then we'll come back for some small group stuff.